Hey, TC, what time is it? Uh, it's time for a makeover. Hi, MC. And I'm TC. And welcome to Movie Makeover, the podcast where we take the movies you love, think you love, guilty pleasures, or downright hate, and give them a much-needed update. This week's movie is 2004's Day After Tomorrow, directed and written by Roland Emmerich. Sorry if I'm getting that wrong. Is it Emmerich? I thought it was Emmerich. Maybe it's Emmerich. I don't know. Sorry. And uh, starring Dennis Quaid, Jake Gyllenhaal, Emmy Rossum, and more. Um, We also have a guest. Yay! Welcome back, Ty. Oh, I was I, I genuinely thought if I wanted to like bust out in spoken word, uh, but it would have been that. Now's the time. It would have you know, been honestly, as white as you would imagine. I think everyone needs to like. We're gonna ask people to start coming in with their housewives intro. Like, what would you say if it was like your your, your housewives? <laughs> oh yeah, like first day real world. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a sassy and I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I the one who didn't come here to make friends. <laughs> I know. I oh man, I miss that show so much, and I specifically miss Stephen tapping on the car, opening the door, and slapping Irene <laughs> in the face, <laughs> and running back inside the pier house. That I just remember being so blown away by that. It was hilarious. Yeah, now, that, did that inspire you to audition for a real world, Tyler? Uh, so I did do it, but it was very much like the, uh, the Parks and Rec where it's just Andy tearing a fish in half. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> like ultimate survivor. <laughs> like, so it was just like a bunch of bullshit. One thing I did want to point out really quick. I did take a note. This movie came out May 24th, 2004. Okay. That is also the same exact day that North Korea banned cell phones. So a little bit spooky. (laughs) (laughs) And then also on that exact day in 1689, English Parliament passed the Act of Tolerance protecting Protestants, but they specifically (laughs) left out Roman Catholics. So (laughs) So it's almost like we had this coming. Yeah. (laughs) It was written in the stars. That's what they would say. For those um, who don't remember, Tyler did our joined us for our It Takes Two uh, episode. Um, so, how you been? How you been? What's the latest? I've been doing good. I've been like, the, I don't think the episode has aired yet, and so I was like looking and because I just genuinely <laughs> wanted to see if people were offended. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't listened yet, um, something to look forward to. Oh man. But yeah, um, no, I listened to the other episodes. You guys are doing great. I really, I, it's a really fun. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you back. Um, Tyler, this is your first time watching this movie, yes? Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I could only watch half of it. And then I turned and said to my wife, I got to turn the shit off. And then I <laughs> finished it on my lunch break while doing uh, actual other work. Still taking notes because... It's a dog shit of a movie, but it was fun. I mean, I love watching bad movies. This one, 
it it like that thing that you say to where a movie does like the full circle and it can be so bad it comes back <laughs> around to being good this one i thought like oh man it's really on the way and it literally almost just no it stalls out right when you need it to to push in the full gear <laughs> yeah a hundred percent uh tc what was your first impression of this movie um, well, I actually remember seeing this movie in theaters because I remember the trailer looked pretty badass. Like, I was like, okay, you know, I think Donnie Darko had just came out. So Jake Hall was, it, had, it, had it not come out yet? No, 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 it did. And yeah, it was out. It's like crazy because you think like, this guy is amazing. Like, he's only going to be making good decisions <laughs> from here on out. Nope. Nope. Although I Siege argues that Donnie Darko deserves another look, but we'll we'll save that for a future yeah, podcast. We should, we should check it out. <laughs> okay, um, I but, will definitely do that. Um, but I mean, th- so this is with Dennis Quaid, who I have heard once kissed his way into a middle management position in the FBI. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what, Tyler? I'm gonna say that as I saw this movie again, I was like, the only thing keeping me interested in any of this is the fucking Quaid man. He, <laughs> He captures my attention and everything he's in. From Jaws 3 to this, I've gotten nothing but solid work out of that. <laughs> uh, the Quaid. Um, Siege, what were your thoughts on this first time? So the very first time I watched this, um, I, I did like you. I remember watching it kind of in theaters. I was really hyped about it because um, it was just, you know, one of those apocalyptic movies. It was just, I think, like a summer blockbuster that you would go see. And I remember like liking it for what it was, which I do a lot, which is like, oh yeah, this was like fun. I never wrote it down as like one of my favorite movies. But upon rewatch, I was like, oh, I gave this movie way too much credit. And I didn't give it that much credit in the beginning. (laughs) No, I remember hating this movie when it came out, which is why I recommended that we watch it again, because I saw it a a poster for it. Someone mentioned it the other day and I was like, is that movie good? Like, it was just one of those questions, like, I don't remember. And now, after watching it, I can confirm it is not. Well, I think it just piggybacked on so many other things. Like, it piggybacked on uh, Armageddon, Deep Impact, like, all of these other movies to where you're like, into the world, it's awesome. Like, it's going to be so well done. And this is just like, the tide shifted. (laughs) Like, this crazy, dumb, stupid shit. Like, ugh. You know, Siege uh, mentioned that Roland Emmerich is the one who directed this movie. He also directed Independence Day. And knowing that while watching this movie, I was like, this, like, the first half of this feels like a direct play for play Independence Day of just like, hey, there's a random incident that happens. And now we're seeing how it happens all over the world and everyone's getting involved, but they don't want to get too crazy. There's a scientist who is saying that, hey, giving you warnings. Dennis Quaid's Jeff, definitely like the Jeff Goldblum of this movie. Um, oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, so I just it, there was a lot of just those tropes that Siege talks about of just disaster movies that were played up. But the thing that made Independence Day good and some of those other movies good, Armageddon, where there was heart and there was relationships. No one gives a fuck about anyone as far as like chemistry and like me wanting to see. I don't care who wins or who lives in this movie. Yeah, no, nope, not at all. Um, all right, well, we'll get, we'll get more into detail, but um, let's quickly just talk about some Day After Tomorrow facts. Um, this movie had a budget of $125 million. Question, did it make its money back? Yes. I think it did. 
It did. It made 186, so not a huge hit, but uh, enough that it recuperated. It's funny that you call it not a huge hit. The year it came out, it was considered the biggest blockbuster to not hit number one. Like, it is second only to my big fat Greek wedding um, huh. that year. So you know I think just domestic gross has just altered so much since 2004 yeah, that yeah. I'm just used to like, oh, if it don't make a billion, it ain't shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this movie has a IMDb score of 6.4 out of 10, a Rotten Tomato score of 44%. And Siege, the Roger Ebert score is one I know you're going to love. Three out of four stars. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he called it profoundly silly, but he loved the special effects. And oh. This oh. one can be profoundly silly, but Baps was too far. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> um, I also read a note that they uh, were looking for NASA scientists to consult for the science of this movie, and NASA sent out a memo saying that any employee that uh, contributes to this movie will, will be reprimanded. <laughs> so um, if you had any questions about the science part, which I did, um, you're not the only one. Yeah, the science in this, I like... There are a, there's a lot in this movie where I, I'm going to give it the benefit that we weren't asking as much of our movies in 2004 as we do now. But, like, there is no realism in a lot of parts of this. Just, like, in human behavior. Uh, or, like, there are plenty of times where I'm like, have you ever been to these cities that you're, like, filming in? Because that is not how anyone would behave. There's so many parts of this movie where it's so over the top that I'm just like, uh, uh, when, whenever stakes are so high that like, oh, the planet's going to end, it's like, well, why am I investing in any of these characters? There's no way. <laughs> like, why? Why? So it's interesting because I think what, what happens with that is as an audience member, you always look and you're like, how are you going to get us out of this? Especially with something like the world is ending because it's a movie, you're clearly not going to end with, and that was the end. You know, like, Asteroid hits the Earth, and it's all over. So, as viewers, we're like, how are you possibly going to bring this to a conclusion that makes any kind of sense? Yeah, like, and I feel like they really, you can tell that they did not have, like, people that actually know what they're fucking talking about feeding <laughs> into the storyline, like, that they were like, the ice caps have broken off and nobody was paying attention to how the ocean got desalinated. And you're just like, no one anticipated that. No one. And then this shit like starts happening all over the world. And it's like rooms full of scientists that they're like saying these things to, and they're constantly like, what are we going to do? And it's, of course it's just fucking Dennis Quaid who knows how to do these things, who by the way has time to save uh, his little ice samples, but he doesn't have enough time to make his marriage work. I don't like <laughs> <laughs> all right well, so let's get to the summary yeah. real quick or do you have more facts about the movie no no no. i was gonna say let's move on the summary all right so the summary of this movie jack hall played by dennis quaid is a paleoclimatologist uh who must make a daring trek from washington dc to new york city to reach his son sam played by jake gyllenhaal and his classmates laura played by emmy rossum brian played by rj smith and jason played by Dash Michal, um, who are trapped in the crosshairs of a sudden international storm which plunges the planet into a new ice age. Hijinks ensue. <laughs> <laughs> 
And like hijinks ensue for like maybe the first third of this movie. And then it's just people staring at televisions and just talking about how cold it is for like a majority of this damn film. What is going on? To be fair, it was very cold. And when I'm that cold, I cannot shut up about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and another thing that I think is such an egregious thing that so many movies like this do, and it's just to create tension, I guess, but it's the context of like something happens and people fucking stop. They're just stand still and watch what's happening. And then they do the, fuck, we should run. Like that drives me fucking crazy but they get out just in the nick of time there's a tidal wave coming down fifth avenue but let's just get in this library close the doors and we'll be fine by the way it's a revolving door number one (laughs) number two he goes from the revolving door to the staircase top to the stairs no time i've been to that museum that would take he he would have been gone there's no way he would have made it guys in this movie door stop uh, wolves, they stop. <laughs> Snow, they stop. Like, one scene where they're running from ice and then they're like, oh, close the door. <laughs> Guys, what are we doing here? What um, if there was a subplot in this movie where Jake Gyllenhaal could like had a superhuman leap and they just never talk about it. And they were like, he can jump like three stories. And you're just- <laughs> This turns into a superhero origin story. I feel like they were thinking of anything to make that third act interesting, which is where the wolves came from. Um, but I feel we might be getting ahead of ourselves. Does sorry, anyone sorry, like sorry. anything about this movie for the good? Yeah. Let's go to the good. Does anyone have anything? Uh, my um, first note is fucking love Dennis Quaid. Love <laughs> <Anyone> else? <laughs> There's so much downtime. Um... I I guess I like some of the okay so inside of emergency situations I watch these movies and I always think like would I be like brave enough to like do some of that so I guess I kind of like the resilience of like these fake characters because I always joke that I'm I would be way too fast to kill myself and so like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so like and the scene where they get out in New York and all the birds are flying over. If I see six birds flying together in the sky, <laughs> I'm blowing my head off. Like, <laughs> I, you know what? It's it, I actually wrote that down because there's a bunch of tropes that I wrote down in my bad section, but I actually like the animal trope. I like the, yeah. hey, something's not right and these animals are freaking out and we need to be paying attention to our nature a little bit more. It's one so that's... Only- the only oh, thing about that is, again, so I've lived in New York and L.A., which are two really big scenes in, in this movie. And the problems that they have make you, makes you think that no one has ever been to New York. Um, and I say that because they use the birds as a signal. If you think the city wouldn't be filled with rats <laughs> yeah, yeah. not birds, you are wrong. Do we, that, that river of water would have been just rats because that's how many rats there are in New York. And rats do not take shit in New York. They will, they will group and create human rafts <laughs> if they need Just to. that tidal wave of fucking rats. <laughs> Come on, guys. It's our time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I did... Oh, oh I was going to say that... Um, the sewers were overflowing too. So it wasn't just water. It was shit and water too yeah. that was flooding up. And she cut her leg. She definitely got poop in her leg. Oh yeah, definitely. Her. New York water on top of that. This is, 
this is even if we took like the water from the pipes, which is good to drink. This has been in New York streets. It is currently being passed by New York tires and cars and people, exactly. homeless individuals. She definitely lost that leg. <laughs> I was going to say they need yeah. to amputate the leg. That actually would have been way more interesting of a of a turn with her character if they had to amputate her leg. But then like help her get out of like a wolf situation or so. I don't know. We'll save it. Yeah. Uh, so does anyone have? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I have a few things. I liked that Fox News was the one reporting the extreme <laughs> weather situation. Yeah. I just thought that was kind of ironic. Um, I also like that in this Bush era movie, the vice president is the bad guy and the president is yes. relatively absent. Yes. I was going to say, is this supposed to be, it looks like it's supposed to be just a Cheney standing. And yeah. yeah. Roland Emmerich, he actually was told by the studio that, hey, you're, the guy you're casting looks way too much like Cheney. Like, he got a lot of pushback. But he was like, no, I'm purposefully doing this. So, I mean, this is right after 9-11. I think this was after Katrina, maybe, um, or, or maybe just before it. But, yeah, that's just the tension that was going on in politics at the time this movie came out. So what's funny is the, the actor who plays the president, Perry King, um, was specifically chosen because he resembles uh, Al Gore. So it's kind of like supposed to be a revisionist history type situation. Mm. Um, <laughs> so that, yeah, they were like, that's why they specifically chose that that actor. So I have uh, two positive, yeah. sorry, I was gonna say, I had two quick positive things. Um, this I, I think this is exactly the movie that we needed after 9-11. Uh, <laughs> New York is back on top, baby. Um, and then speaking of the I like that they were like in when they were like at the UN or whatever that uh, climate summit thing was and they were talking and then you see like the arrogant vice president and he's like, well, you know, the economy is also fragile and shit like that. Uh, <laughs> Dennis Quaid burned him so bad that I had to stop the movie and make a White Lives Matter sign. Uh, <laughs> and I just sat on the couch with it. <laughs> so no, honestly, like, also this, as you said, this happens the year before Hurricane Katrina. And, like, how much of a, like, told you so does this movie feel, seeing that it came out one year before Hurricane Katrina, which essentially... What happens in Louisiana at that point is what these people are saying will happen to New York. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I hate to give Roland Emmerich that kind of like tip of the hat, but you're right. I mean, and honestly, I do have to say that at the time that this movie came out, it seemed like really, really ridiculous and over the top. And it still is. But I think as the conversation of climate change starts to evolve, some of the like the ideas of like what climate change can do, I'm a little bit more susceptible to being like, okay, sure, yeah, I can go along with it. I think certain aspects of it are so absolutely ridiculous in that it would, I mean, like when you see that shit from the International Space Station, and it's just like, all clouds, huge hurricanes, all like ice hurricanes all over the entire earth. Ice hurricanes. <laughs> but if the director would have had some type of pop star come out and say, um, Al Gore doesn't care about black people, that <laughs> would have blown my mind. <laughs> Speaking of pop stars, Lindsay Lohan was supposed to play Laura. Um, the no way. So that makes this, I will say, casting Emmy Ronson 
is in my good category considering <laughs> it could have been Lindsay Lohan. I don't know. I feel like 2004 Lindsay was a different Lindsay Lohan. That's Lindsay Lohan. I don't know. I, I think she could have done okay. I'm a little bit more sympathetic to her the most, I guess. <laughs> so you take any type of Lindsay Lohan up until what, Herbie the Love Bug? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there, I, I do have to say that although most of the special effects were kind of shitty, um, I did like the whole scene where the helicopters froze midair. I thought that looked kind of cool. I thought that was a, a pretty cool uh, action sequence as far as they go. I actually thought the the airplane scene was a pretty good action sequence too, as far as the way it like handles suspense and things like that. Um, <laughs> One of the things I have about that airplane scene is I actually wish they would have spent a little more on CGI. And when the cart rushes to the front, if that stewardess would have fucking exploded like a blood bomb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's the thing, like there was times like that where I wanted more and they didn't give it to me. Yeah. And then there were other times where they gave me so much that I was like, guys, I can't, I can't keep track of everything that's happening here. <laughs> so question, I mean, I guess we can go into this a little later when we do the uh, makeover, but do you think it would have been better or worse had we gone into Sharknado territory? Because better. it's like, right on the cusp of Sharknado territory to me. And uh, it honestly felt like they, if they had done that from the beginning, I I think I would have enjoyed this movie a little bit better. I think that like third act came around and they were like, hey, nothing's really happening. We got the studio note. All right, let's just throw some fucking wolves in this. I don't know, guys. Like the wolf thing is so like such a jump the shark moment for this movie that it makes me think like, wow, if they had just, taken that approach throughout the entire thing this might have been worth watching or more interesting to watch yeah i can't even imagine it it's it's so weird like i saw it and i can't imagine it in any other facet than it is like trying (laughs) to be like funny or anything i just feel like it and i don't want to watch dennis quaid try and be funny i mean he's beautiful (laughs) i don't want to watch it (laughs) he's beautiful um i Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. The only thing I was going to say is in terms of good, does this movie get credit for being a movie about climate change and being a movie that's kind of, you know, I don't know how many people, I'm sure we could look it up, but I'm not going to. I don't know how many people saw An Inconvenient Truth, but the idea that this movie does use climate change as a stand-in to... I'll say educate or raise awareness of climate change. Uh, Does it get any credit for that? I would say it gets credit in the same way that if (laughs) if if I were going to teach somebody about the Holocaust and the lesson (laughs) is like be nice to Jewish people, like it's so over. Like that shit's not going to happen. Like in any time soon or anything. I was going to say the same thing. Like it, this movie brings awareness to climate change the same way that Johnny Knoxville movie brings attention to the Special Olympics. But like, <laughs> it doesn't do anything to like improve your view of it. You're just made aware that it exists. So as far as just not really like leaving audiences with a, I, I don't feel like anyone's walking out of that theater going, "Wow, I really know a lot more about just climate and nature and just everything." I'm so filled with knowledge said no one ever after watching <laughs> and, and i can imagine that there weren't people standing in like in the movie theater lobby and just being like wow guys this is something we really need to pay attention to like you leave oh. that and you're just like what the fuck did we just watch <laughs> yeah full filled with such gems as oh yeah the trash can's got food in it 
<laughs> this right. movie had so many tropes. It had so many of like the the homeless man can teach the rich kid something, and the rich kid he's he can he can be nice too. And you're just like, this is hog shit. Yeah, I'm actually ready to move into the bad side. Honestly, okay. I don't really have much else for good, so I'm completely okay with moving forward to the bad um, <laughs> because there is a lot to get through. Um, What's the first thing on your mind? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about the bad of this movie? Again, for me, the the bad in this movie, hold on, I wrote it down because it was so important to me. The bad in this movie is that the number one for me is so many of our apocalyptic stories are American-centric. Like, we spend so much time, like, anytime there's a natural disaster or an alien invasion or whatever, they are going straight to New York no matter what, like, like the earth has some vendetta or map that tells them New York is the place that is the most important. Um, we see things like the Hollywood sign deliberately removed as if a tornado would go down the line to make sure that each letter is removed from it. Um, <laughs> to your point about this, Roland Emmerich, who directed Independence Day and destroyed both New York and LA in 1995, <laughs> and that movie whenever it came out, he, it, it's almost like he's like, oh shit, I can't destroy that building. I already destroyed it. All right, well, let's, let's do Satchel Liberty. Let's do the Hollywood sign. Like, he was running out of shit to destroy because he has already destroyed it in his other movies. Well, that's my, well, my point is that even when we tell these stories, it's never like, told what would happen. I think that's what we liked about Signs. Signs, when, like, the alien invasion was coming, the story took place in, like, middle of nowhere. It's not like the alien invasion came and we were all of a sudden in New York or all of a sudden on a coastal city. Um, what You know, it's, like, a far more interesting story on what do the people who are in northern Pennsylvania do at this point in time? Because there are no that buildings that tall. Um, yeah. You know, things like that. But what I was saying about it being so American-centric is we, of course, Japan gets destroyed early on. Um, we are shown a scene in, it's supposed to be over Scotland, but like with British, I think. Pilots. I was going to, to your, to your point about this, Armageddon does the same thing where it's like we feature other countries, but it's almost as like little snapshots of them going through a catastrophe. But it's like, well, let's not spend too much time on these brown people. Let's go back to America and see what's popping over there. Exactly. Like, like for instance, another part of this movie, what they do is they're like, we'll just send them all to Mexico. Mexico made a deal. Fucking love um, the Mexico thing. All the, I think it was like all of the debt of Latin America. And you're like, Mexico does not speak for all of Latin America. Mexico is not the capital of Latin America. <laughs> I could also imagine the director just sitting back and going, eat this, assholes, how the people <laughs> have turned. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a scene in there where he said, like, in an amazing um, turn of reverse illegal immigration or something like that. And it's, yeah, it's, Americans it's, are crossing over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's weird that we're able to be racist still in those moments. Um, but then also... The <laughs> oh, yeah, because in his last speech, he's like, in what we used to deem third world countries, we've just gentrified and they're great now. <laughs> you guys aren't going to believe your fucking minds. We're crossing over there. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one I wanted to say in terms of, like, American-centric is in the very beginning, they have, like, this climate change or whatever takes place in India, but everyone's chanting about climate change in English. Even though we're in India 
and the chances are they would at least not be speaking English. <laughs> like, like, like English isn't the only chant that we would hear. But then how are Americans going to understand it, CJ? Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things I wrote about this movie that I instantly hate is that to me, this is an example of when directors learn the wrong things from their early successful films. So like when you think about like M. Night Shyamalan and like Signs is a, or a big hit or whatever, uh, Sixth Sense is a big hit. And he, he sees that reception. And he goes, oh, okay, I know what audiences like. I'm going to do this happening movie, and I'm going to do this airbender movie, and I'm going to put in those same things that I know the audience is like, and he's like, bro, you paid attention to the wrong parts of that. And I feel like Roland Emmerich did the same thing with Independence Day. He was like, oh, yeah, they just like explosions. They like shit being destroyed. They like seeing people run. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter if we don't care about the people that are running. Did anyone give a shit about Jake Gyllenhaal and Emma Robin Robinson, uh, their relationship? Did anyone care? No, not, in the not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone care about the relationship between Dennis Quaid and his kid? Not no. at all. <laughs> not even Dennis Quaid and his kid. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis Quaid. Did anyone like anyone else in this movie? Not no. at all. <laughs> I, I, I hated a majority of the characters. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that like some of the most interesting characters are like removed as soon as they're introduced. Like I liked that the one dude who I liked and I thought we would see more of is there's, like, the stereotypical New York rich guy who pays to get on the bus. Oh, I love that. I hated that scene. <laughs> I was like, bro, no. you're surrounded by sunken cars. Where the hell do you think you're going to go? No, no, I will say that. I agree. But, like, he had personality in a way that no one else did. You know, like, I, I expected to get some kind of redemption arc from him or something. I see like, what you mean. Like, you saw his personality in that moment, whereas other people were just, like, flat characters. Exactly. Like, the Black best friend is just a pointless character. Uh, yeah, let's get into the reflection of minorities. Uh, your glasses are going to fucking freeze, buddy. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the part of my bad was that, first of all, the, this is who we get for minorities, in, at least with speaking roles. We get two nerdy scientists, two Black male nerdy scientists, um, one Black homeless man, one Asian woman, and then we are shown the dumb black cop who can't understand that the woman trapped inside the car is saying, let me out. And the same one who led everyone in the library to their deaths, too. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the black uh, family, the woman and her daughter, that is basically who we get. I don't know. Now that you say, I'm like, wow, there are a lot of uh, diverse characters in this movie. No, no, no. It's not really diverse. Think about it. First of all, this is what I had a problem with. They showed them the school or like this competition that they're doing. We see like one black guy, first of all, and then black women are notoriously and statistically more educated or like go to college in higher numbers than black men. Very few black women shown at all. Oh no, the mayonnaise was heavy at this place. They were <laughs> like, it was, it was. I, but I think it was supposed to be. And oh God, fuck me for like standing up for this movie at all. It was supposed <laughs> to be like this upper class boarding school that I would imagine if I were to walk into that place, but I would be able to there, smell the mayonnaise before I walked in. Even there, that was another thing that was going to go off of is you don't get any Asian American characters. Which oh yeah, they would be present in that. Um, 
Yeah, in, in that demographic. Or they would file a lawsuit to be included. <laughs> yeah, uh, I felt like Roland 60 goddamn Brett Kavanaugh's. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with, um, oh, like, New York. When you see New York and L.A., when you see a lot of the street shots of, like, people running and all the all white people. And then it's like, what New York and L.A. are you referring to? Because you're telling me that only... Like all of Midtown, which is where they're supposed to be, was only filled with white people. Not a chance. Not a hot dog vendor. <laughs> this movie's trying to make money. They want people to care about these characters. <laughs> Black people getting shot every day and no one gives a shit. So how are they going to make people care about fictional characters? That's you got to think about the bottom line. Okay. <laughs> but if, if this shit's going on, who do you think is going to be dumb enough to be outside fucking filming it on their iPhones? Very good point. Dumbass white people. <laughs> <laughs> or I, I have to say, too, that um, I thought the newscasters were a bit over the top as well, standing in between, like, what, seven tornadoes, just being like, guys, it's crazy out here. Oh, what do you think is going to happen? Again, I'm sorry, you keep bringing up things, but I don't mean to, like, do this. In L.A., you live here now, TC. Yeah. You think there would be that clear of the roads, even with tornadoes. It would um, be the worst traffic jam LA's ever the seen. The worst traffic jam LA has ever seen. <laughs> it's not happening. Um, one of the other things I want to say, uh, the moment I saw Jake Gyllenhaal's hair, I gasped, and then I was like, oh no. <laughs> it was this time of just like, wow, bangs on men. <laughs> really a thing for a long time that I forgot about. Um, it just had this very Ryan Cabrera, borderline spiked, not really kind of thing that was popular at that time. Um, Tyler, you remember that haircut well, yes? Uh, well, first, fuck you. Uh, two, <laughs> um, I wrote specifically, Jake Gyllenhaal, for some reason, always looks like the kid in a 1995 dare commercial that's trying to give you a joint <laughs> <laughs> he does that's very accurate yeah. well he also okay so we're supposed to believe that jake gyllenhaal is really smart and that all these kids are really smart yet they never quite use their intelligence to get them ahead they're constantly just like well my dad said you know well, there's yeah. We are shown that one scene in the library where, like, Jake Gyllenhaal knows about the telephones, you know, or like, oh, like, yeah. or like, or even given the, um, like, there's reading, you know, like they read books, and like that's like the the point in time where they uh, are in the library and they're like, yeah, we can read books and learn. It was just been nice that like oh, these are super advanced kids like they're going to this competition to literally just test the knowledge that they know. It would have been nice if they had used like their wit or even like I don't know some kind of Goonies s contraption to be like oh hey we're gonna use this to contact someone we're gonna use this to stay warm. It really like I I, I really have to say by the time the wolves showed up I had given up on this damn <laughs> yeah 100% see I thought that the kid when he was working on that thing inside the yes. um, yeah I thought that was going to lead to something and it didn't Nothing. go anywhere and <laughs> I also then specifically wrote down how funny would it be if this happened and the only cell phones that could still work were cricket prepaid wireless <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of the things that again I was like we are in a post 9-11 world right now. And they just saw all of LA destroyed. All of LA is destroyed. And for some reason, people are still able to get phone service. 
they're thinking about taking the trains as if all transportation wouldn't immediately be shut down. Um, yeah. Yeah, also, are, two of America's biggest cities just got, like, destroyed. We don't even get a moment of silence. Guys, I mean, <laughs> we've had moment of silences for way less than two cities. They go to the museum after LA has been destroyed. It's like LA is destroyed and they're like, oh, well, I guess National Museum? We do have an itinerary. Uh, <laughs> I'm only in New York for so long. I mean, one of the things I wrote down was, uh, I don't even know if this is a real thing. There's critical decellularization. Is that a real thing, Tyler? Would you know? I have no idea, but I know that I, it feels like that was the thing that they took 10 seconds to Google. And they were <laughs> like, I mean, it sounds real. Like, let's just. And that's what all the science sounds like in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. everything Dennis Quaid says, I'm like, I don't know. I, that, that really don't sound right to me, bro. It, it sounds like they got the science for this movie from a Facebook anti-vax group. Like, it, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um. What else? What else, Scott? What, what, what about this movie? I mean, so one thing that I always think is too quick, I would be like, the fuck it, you're on your own. Like, so, all right. <laughs> <Follow me. laughs> okay, it's sad, but those kids with cancer were basically already on a countdown. <laughs> <laughs> Because the moment they threw that shit in, I was just like, uh, like I, I, I just literally just uh out loud because I'm like, you want us so badly to care about these characters that you threw in a, a an abandoned cancer girl. And I was just like, because you can't make us care about these central characters. You need to pull shit like that. Isn't it a uh, abandoned cancer boy? And the reason why I say oh, that. Oh boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that well, the reason why I said that was because I was looking. Please tell me if I missed it. I was looking for it to pass the Bechtel test with like a name, two named female characters who talk to each other because there's so many times where there is a female character who leaves one room and goes into another with men. It's like there was a woman, there were two women in a room, but the moment, sorry, there was one woman in a room, the moment. Another woman enters, that woman has to leave and join more men. Yeah, I, I really don't think there there is because even when um, that Asian scientist joins Dennis Quaid's crew, the as soon as she brought on, it's almost like she was brought on to be this love interest for the ginger kid. Exactly. Instead of just being like, oh, oh hey, I'm here to participate. Yeah, I mean, like, even when they, um, like, there's one scene that I noted where the uh, female doctor, I can't think of her name right now, um, but she's uh, Sam's mom. She is talking to a nurse, but she's only talking about the sick male kid. And then she goes straight to the sick male kid and he talks about his mom. And I'm like, why wouldn't his mom be there? Like, wait, wait, wait. I think I do remember one scene where um, uh, Gyllenhaal's mom and the black nurse are talking about like, hey, are you going to stay with this patient? I'm going to leave. Take care of yourself. It's only for like two lines, but... All right, I, two lines counts. I, like, I, I was looking for it, but I thought maybe since they were talking about the patient, the patient was a male, so it wouldn't count. Hey, how, how much did you guys love these conversations between these two New York intellects in the library arguing about what books should be burned? Because <laughs> Nietzsche and the Bible are like... It was just the most... like 
I was like, why the fuck are we hearing this? Why is this in this movie? How did this not make the cutting room floor? I, I don't know. I wanted to hear what you guys thought about all of those conversations. So I was going to say that was absolutely ridiculous, but that leads into another part that I thought was ridiculous to where he was like, well, I would, I'm saving the Bible. It's, it's a piece of history. It's a representation of manhood's accomplishment. And I was like, I would not save the Bible. I would save a Paula Dean book. So I could then tell the people in the future that she said the N word. Like that's it. Like, <laughs> And that's what drove me crazy, too, when he was like, well, you know, if we're going to save certain books, bro, why do you think that the New York Library is the only place in the world that has a Bible right now? Well, like, why do you think you're solely responsible for carrying literature into the next generation? Like, it's like you need you have bigger fish to fucking fry right now. <laughs> well, bro. that's what I was thinking about. I was like, you, you mean the Bible, one of the most printed books in all of human history you think that this is the only copy that that, the one that read the spanish one in mexico (laughs) (laughs) well yeah there's that it's the only english copy left because everything else is in spanish um but then also when she was like you can't burn books it's like are you going to tell me in this entire library there's not like a where's waldo section that we could just like chuck or like you know or there's literally wood everywhere yeah, that's what I'm saying. something else. <laughs> Start the fire with like a few, um, a few copies of. Well, they did make the joke about the tax law books that they were all going to burn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's also like this, this bullshit to where they're like, "Oh man, everything freezes instantaneously, and like gas is freezing inside the lines, and like all this other shit." It's, or like the the, the it, opening of the hurricane, the yeah, and then like oh, and then you start to see the buildings freezing, and it chases them down the fucking halls. But then of course they're just like throw as many books on as you possibly can, throw as many books, and it's just like this is really fucking dumb. Like this is horrible. And, yeah. And, oh oh god. Oh, I was going to say, so then Dennis Quaid is with that other ginger dude, and he's, like, inside of that that little tiny like <laughs> cafeteria place that they're in. They just have burners on the stove, and then they fall asleep in the tent, wake up, everything around them is completely frozen, but they're fine. Like, this was really just... Yeah, the science in this one is really hit or miss, because it's, like, sometimes... Thanks. It's like they say something along the lines of, and I got this from, I, I was saying, I watched the um, Everything Wrong With video uh, or YouTube video on this movie. <laughs> and they point out that um, he, they declare that it's dropping by the second. So it's dropping like 10 degrees by the second. And yeah. if it's true, there is no time for anyone to do anything. No. And, like, they also continuously give us claims that we are, the, as the audience, are supposed to use to, as, like, world building and rules in, in this world. And then completely contradict. They're like, hey, you know, this Dennis Quaid's like, this is my theory. It's not supposed to happen for a thousand years. Oh, no, it's going to happen in eight weeks. No, it's tomorrow. Everyone who goes outside is going to die. Except for me, I'm going to be walking around looking for my son. I'm going to be just fine. <laughs> like, what's going on? What are the rules of this? Like, it's the dumbest thing. Well, and then another aspect. Everybody knows that when this type of shit happens, you can murder and rape. Why <laughs> is this not happening more? And also, the dark side, yeah. on the contrary of that, when they're like, is there food in there? And they're like, oh, there's some vending machines. When they break into those vending machines, if they would have done that in front of me, I would have made a citizen's arrest. I would have <laughs> immediately arrested them. 
Yeah, I just really was waiting for people to start looking at each other like, okay, who are we going to eat first? Like, that's where I was hoping this would really go. Like, I mean, you're bringing up killing people. I'm like, where's my cannibalism when I need it? Like, guys. Have you ever seen uh, The Mist? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I think, like, this would have been better had we taken, like, The Mist version of this, where it's, like, almost like a Lord of the Flies situation starts to arise, and there's, like, all these social political dynamics that are being brought up while these people are trapped inside this library. That, you know what? Yeah, I, I agree with all that. Does anyone else have anything bad else to okay, say? Yeah. All right, let's move yeah. over to makeover otherwise. Okay. I want to do one. I want to discuss all of the LA scene. Um, <laughs> because again, like just, just to bring some things up back about the LA scene. One, we are introduced to the guy who is supposed to be watching it. And he goes, his girlfriend, by the way, is like, shouldn't you be monitoring the weather? And he says, what weather? It's LA. While it's raining in LA. That alone, (laughs) regular rain, people in LA would be like, hey, what's up with this? It doesn't do that. Then on top of it- sprinkles and traffic increases by an hour. (laughs) Guys, On top of that, it is lightning in LA. Again, this is a phenomenon. Like, if if he would have said this and it was, like, bright and sunny outside and then it immediately changed, that would have been one thing. But you are already having abnormal weather in L.A. You are supposed to be recording this. This is, like, the exact moment that we're talking about. And I think that goes to show just, like, this pacing where, like, nothing is happening and then suddenly everything is happening. I literally wrote a note that I was just, like, by the time that action sequence comes in like the the one big action sequence that we have it, it feels like a porn that starts with triple penetration like whoa <laughs> yeah there's Jesus a line Christ, let's make out a little first like and, and, and then it's like right after that 20 minutes of people in the library like oh like like spread it out a little bit guys yeah, there's a line that says this is too fast um it, it said something about like it being too fast i can't i can't find it right now and i was like yeah, that's how this movie is. Everything's going too fast. You're just like, this is way too fast to be happening in a realistic manner. Not just the weather patterns, because we're supposed to be um, speaking in hyperbole. But like every, it's like back to back to back once we get started. And then once one weather pattern was like, all right, we're just going to take things chill. Like all the other ones were like, all right, I guess we'll chill out too. Like there was nothing that was like, oh, hey, we're going to have hail in one scene and then a tornado in the next. It's like, no, throw all that shit in at once. It just, it really felt like a kitchen sink in the editing room of just like everything, let's throw it in. But then also, so during that LA scene, again, while we are watching these news reporters defy LA traffic laws, uh, like our our reality at any point in time, um, he looks at, God, what did he see? He saw like a tornado take out a building or something. And the response is, is anyone hurt? Yes! 100%. (laughs) The building destroyed instantaneously and you're like is anyone hurt do you live in this city at all yeah i mean there's so many deaths that occur in this movie (laughs) it's almost like how are we supposed to give a shit about dennis quaid seeing this kid again like new york is gone like i and that's what these larger destruction movies force you to ask is like why should i care about these two assholes instead of just like everyone else on the planet yes 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like that almost goes back to the other instance of it always happens in like New York or LA or these big cities to where it's almost like beyond the precipice to where it's like it's too much i don't care but also if they would have been like yo an independence day they had a an alien spaceship that blew up a fucking farm in topeka kansas i bet it gives a shit like i don't care like it doesn't mean anything so it's like these weird echelons to where it's too much and then you're just kind of like i'm literally watching what would be millions of people die and i i like i don't know how to feel about it necessarily like i'm millions of people have died and i'm supposed to root for dennis quaid to get to his son yeah oh the one last thing i was going to say is that i one of my favorite scenes which i i hate watched but it's still one of my favorites um so they just got introduced to that new rich kid from one tree hill and um Emma Ron, like Emma Rosen is talking to him and she's like, hey, uh, he's like, hey, do you want me to give you a tour of my dick? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah let's go take a dick tour. And they walk away and Jake Gyllenhaal's there and he's brooding, obviously, but fucking culture clubs, do you really want to hurt me is playing in the background. And I was like, where did this scene fucking come from? Yeah, well, so it's funny. In that same scene, um, he, again, remind you, LA has been destroyed. New York is now flooding. He's like, I have to go pick up my brother from school, where does he go to school? Pennsylvania. Wait, what? There's... <laughs> we never circled back to that. We never circled back to his brother. Is his brother dead? dead. Uh, absolutely. He, his brother's dead and his parents are dead because they're off in Europe somewhere skiing. And you're like, oh, and the half the world just froze. Your parents are gone. You're now there are a dozen loose ends in this movie that never wrap up. Um, any, Tyler, did you have anything else? Any other uh, bullshit about this movie that you wanted to point out? Uh, no, I think I did have things for like the makeover. Okay, yeah, let's move. Let's move on to that. All right, Tyler. Well, yeah, why don't you start this off with your uh, makeover, your version of oh, the day so after tomorrow? Just a makeover is I want everyone dead. Like I, I would <laughs> love to see a movie where just fucking everyone dies, or I want it to be like they made it so dramatic in certain aspects. I want to see the other aspect of the story to where like it was a guy in North California and it just got like kind of windy and he's like picking up his wind chimes <laughs> off the ground and he's just like heartbroken that they <laughs> fell over. <laughs> like I want some of that. Um, I also, I want, I want the dogs to just roam the earth forever. I wanted them to, I wanted them to not only take over the earth, but start speaking English. Uh, That would have been really interesting. I fucking love it when dogs talk. You never know how they're going to do it. There's so many different ways. Um, uh, yeah, and I also would have liked to seen it like afterwards to where they were tying up some of the loose ends and they were like, yo, Dennis Quaid, uh, we want you to know that you are directly responsible for Frank's death when he had to cut himself <laughs> to the mall. And so he gets charged with, uh, you know, at a minimum manslaughter. Um, <laughs> and I like, I think that that's what it was. I can't like, there was so much of this that I was like, it's it's bad, but I don't yeah. I don't know how to make it any better. So then I just wanted I wanted <laughs> as pure as possible. So you reminded me of one more bad. I know we like we always jump back and forth, but <laughs> one more thing that I remembered was the trope of no one in politics or in authority believes any warning ever given, no matter 
what else is going on? Like, we literally just saw LA destroyed. Dennis Quaid is like, hey, it's gonna get worse. You have to start evacuating. And the vice president is like, eh, what if it doesn't get worse though? And he's like, yeah, but it's most likely already started. He's like, well, what if you're wrong? I don't want to be the guy who took a chance and evacuated people and nothing happened. That's like that's such a common trope in movies like this. I thought that same thing, but I, I, as soon as I thought that, I was like, I don't know, man. A lot of people are dying from guns. No one seems to give a shit about it. I don't know. Maybe it's more accurate than we think. <laughs> well, like his, his his reasoning was, he was like, didn't you say it would be a few weeks? I was wrong. Well, what if you're wrong this time? And that's a, like, that's reasonable. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong you a know, lot, too? Dennis Quaid. When the shit starts happening faster, <laughs> you don't go, well, then you're probably wrong again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my one thing. And then in terms of the makeover, I kind of hit on this, but one of the things that I wanted to say for making this movie over, what I think they could have done differently, is you brought up Independence Day. And Independence Day, what we do is we start off with all these vignettes of different people in different spaces, kind of like this movie, but it eventually becomes us versus them. They unify us and we care because we're no longer following each of these individual characters. It is humanity versus threat. And that is what was needed. In this movie, it's individual storylines versus weather. And then there's no solution that the humans take to solve it. The weather just kind of is like, and I'm done. Yeah. So the point about the vignettes, it's like those things only matter if we're watching separate people who are going to all join together in the end to like form a greater purpose. Cool. And in Independence Day, like that's obviously like, um, you know, a theme from Independence Day itself of just like, oh, how the colonies banded together to like form like a, a unit that was bigger than the enemy or whatever. <clears throat> this movie has nothing that's thought out. That's nothing that's like, oh, hey, this is a central theme of this. It just was really like, hey, guys, shit's going to get bad. Pay attention to it. But um, it really falls flat um, with these characters because you, you're right. You don't give a shit about them. They don't come together to form a solution together. It's all Dennis Quaid's idea throughout the entire thing. Um, most of the characters are pointless. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And that was another thing that uh, my other makeover for this movie in terms of plot is I'm starting to, with this podcast, I'm starting to think about what is your mission? What is the story you're trying to tell in this? And in a trope such as this, where you are stuck in one spot due to an outer threat, usually what we talk about in those movies are the threats within. So the threats within people and the how like the weather may be dangerous but there was nothing more deadly than the individuals inside that room that is a perfect way to make this movie more interesting to up the stakes and to you know maybe it doesn't happen within 48 hours it's been weeks and these individuals are still in the library and they start to get a little cabin fever you know it's like what what are those storylines like and I think that would have been a way to make this movie uh, more reflective of something people would care about. Um, yeah, it's actually really interesting because my idea for a makeover was very similar to um, how you were like, oh, you know, like the evil within and all of that. Um, because I was really hoping, like in my version of this movie, it would be very interesting if it did take place 
in this community that was forgotten about, like inside of a prison or something like that. And like, yes. they have to figure out what they're going to do about it. Like that is super interesting to me or, or something like that. Or if, if we're going to go the other direction with it, Sharknado, like yeah. something like <laughs> Sharknado or make it this quiet, almost like um, a quiet place, like a real, like a personal story between like a few people um, instead of making it everyone. Cause we can't care about everyone. We can care about maybe five people. So like really focus on making those relationships stronger. Um, I also would have, if we were going to go Sharknado version with it, I would have had them come up with some kind of like wild scientific mission, kind of like an Armageddon of just like, hey, we're going to drill into this comet and hopefully that'll stop it. Like something where there's like a time bomb or like we're hoping that someone accomplishes something so that like humanity is saved. And I, I didn't see anything like that. And I would it would have made it more interesting, I think, that final act to just be like, okay, we're on the edge of our seat, hoping that they're going to be able to figure this out. Not like... Well, yeah, I mean, Dennis Quaid will see his kid, but still, everything's gone. So I, I think just a push in either direction would be would have been nice, but this middle ground is just shit. Absolutely, and I love what you <clears throat> so sorry. I love what you said about that. That to me makes for a far more interesting story and interesting things to tell if we have some kind of huge mission. So like if the president or the vice president gets together and they're like, you know what, we're gonna drop um, atomic bombs in South America or in uh, Antarctica. Yes. Hopefully that'll shift us. You know, it's like- I was hoping that someone was like, hey, if we nuke the moon, it will (laughs) radiate enough heat to warm us down. Or some shit, like some wild ass theory. And I'm like, you know what? I'm on board for this. We've already suspended so much disbelief. Don't try to trap me down with facts at the end of this shit. Like really, let's just go for it. Yeah, yeah, this had no resolution whatsoever. It was just kind of like, oh, shit, it's happening, it's happening. And then they're like, it's stopping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it stopped for no real reason um, other than like they literally like, hey, we're getting signals that it's stopping. And then you see an astronaut who's like, it is stopping. And it's like it's supposedly stopping all over the world all at once. The Earth was just having like a hot flash, I guess. <laughs> but no, and that's the shit that drives me crazy because they're like, oh yeah, the storm stops, but we're in the new ice age. Well, which is it? Because like, <laughs> like, what is it? Like, is the earth completely different and everything has changed? Or are you just on vacation in Mexico? Like, I wish there was some, like you said, just more of a conclusion of like, either something really terrible happened or something really amazing happened. But this lukewarm ending just really made my dick soft. So what um, another one of the makeovers that I, I think is this is a movie to me that could become a Netflix series or something like that. Because sure. as you said, this is something where either we tell the story from different people's perspective at different parts of the country and maybe each one of these um, vignettes becomes like a season or a storyline because that's interesting or we pick up with this movie right after the storm has happened. And what is the world like now that we are in a new ice age? Because I feel like we are talking about some Walking Dead storylines where, or, you know, you, you get what I'm saying? Where it's like yeah, totally. at a completely complete shift. There is no faith in the government. Um, everything is Chaos. cold. 
Black yeah. people do not do well in cold, so how do we respond? <laughs> I will say, if this was a TV show that literally picked up on um, a country that was starting with, like, the White House in Mexico, or the president in Mexico being like, hey, I'm speaking to you from Mexico, here's the reason why, and then that was just, like, the cold open of the show of just figuring out, like, what America's become in this post-apocalyptic blah, blah, blah. That's super interesting. I'd watch that. I'd give it a few episodes. Um, I would not give this movie any more screen time. In any- <laughs> if the president is a talking dog in New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, like, you're telling me that, like, F is like, okay, they're, like, walking out towards the helicopter, right? Towards the end. And all of a sudden, a wolf Kano comes out? Like, you yeah. want to be a little bit more interested than in this movie? You know, all I can think about is there's that uh, scene or that um, episode of The Simpsons where Homer's like, and then at the end, you just show a dog with shifty eyes. That's what I see is like at the very end of the movie, we pull out and there's a wolf who just kind of looks left and look right. And you're like, oh, what's going on there? Jake Gyllenhaal, when they're like walking through the helicopter and stuff like that, if like as he's getting on a helicopter, he turns around, looks and sees one of the wolf and then he winks at the wolf and then the wolf (laughs) winks at him. He takes off into the city and then you're like, oh, the city is theirs now. Okay. (laughs) And then we pan back and we see the wolf looking at the helicopter going away and we hear the wolf say, good luck, kid. Uh, I I think we did some good things here. Okay, um, I I don't even feel like asking this question because I already know the answer, but we usually ask this question. Is this movie more good than bad? Um, I mean, I think I said that this is exactly what New York needed after 9-11. So I'm going (laughs) to say it's it's not the movie that we wanted, but it's the movie that we deserve. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I thought this movie was, was horseshit for, for all of it, actually. Like, as soon as I turned on the movie, I was like, I got so bummed out because I immediately just remembered the world I was about to walk into. <laughs> and I just got so frustrated because I think this movie was my idea. I, and I think that's what made me even more mad that I was just like, fuck, I chose this, this two-hour movie. You know, we've done two um, kind of earth disaster movies already but i would really love to do armageddon and volcano or like one of the like i just yeah one of the 90s ones that's a slightly better yeah 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 just because i if i remember volcano and there are just so many scenes that i was like i want to revisit that i I, I, I think i've seen dante's peak more than volcano but they're both terrible i've never seen either (laughs) you've never seen either I've never seen either. <laughs> oh my god! Have you seen Armageddon? I've seen Armageddon. Okay, I. Uh, it was a middle school party at Ice Factory, and yes, I, Ice Factory. Oh my god! I, I skated backwards and screamed. Uh, Aerosmiths don't want to close my eyes at the top of my lungs. <laughs> That's so why I, you bring all the girls to the yard. I've seen Armageddon a couple times. <laughs> uh, that is my one of my karaoke songs because you do not get a room as hyped as if you're singing Aerosmith. <laughs> if you did that song and then laid down and pulled out animal crackers and played with them. Yes. <laughs> Pull the belly out of your belly button. Take a big old bite. Yeah. <laughs> you just made my performance of that so much better. Um, definitely. Hey, question for you guys. Uh, would you rather the earth end from temperature increase or decrease? Oh, decrease. 
the cold, really. Siege. Yeah. See, all right. So this is always hard for me because I hate being cold. I absolutely hate being cold. But if you're cold, you can get warmer. If you're hot, there is a certain layer that you just stop. There's nothing you can do. So <laughs> you can't like take off your skin. So I'm going to say I would rather it get colder because I feel like I would just set everything on fire. I, I agree with that. I think colder um, ice can be melted into water. I can drink water. Uh, if it's dried up, I'm not going to have any of those resources. So I, I, I agree with you guys. Yeah. Well, and uh, remember, mine comes with the asterisk because I'm fucking killing myself if it gets below 70. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, thanks for listening to another episode of Movie Makeover. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, all of the places. Um, Tyler, where are you at? What's going on? Can people find you at all? Nope, they can't. (laughs) (laughs) Off the grid. (laughs) You're worth Waldo in this piece. I like it. Yep. All right, you can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. TZ? You can find me at a braver me at dot braver dot me on Instagram. And if you guys have any ideas on how to make uh, pieces of shit like this watchable, um, please reach out to us on our social media. Um, we're at Movie Makeover on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, and is it Movie Makeover or Movie Dash Makeover? Movie underscore Makeover. We are Movie underscore Makeover on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also email us at moviemakeoverpod at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, guys, tune in next week because we're going to we're gonna hopefully watch a much better movie than this one. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much for having me. me. Yeah, thanks for coming again, Tyler. We always enjoy your commentary. Yeah, absolutely. You uh, will definitely be invited back again. If you guys have any movies that you want, make sure that you uh, give us your recommendations. As always, I'm Siege. And I'm TC. Makeover and out. Did anyone get hurt?